October 24th, 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 22, through chapter 3, verse 17. Run from anything that stimulates youthful lust. Follow anything that makes you want to do right. Pursue faith and love and peace, and enjoy the companionship of those who call on the Lord with pure hearts. Again, I say, don't get involved in foolish, ignorant arguments that only start fights. The Lord's servants must not quarrel, but must be kind to everyone. They must be able to teach effectively and be patient with difficult people. They should gently teach those who oppose the truth. Perhaps God will change those people's hearts, and they will believe the truth. Then they will come to their senses and escape from the devil's trap. For they have been held captive by him to do whatever he wants. You should also know this, Timothy, that in the last days there will be very difficult times, where people will love only themselves and their money. They will be boastful and proud, scoffing at God, disobedient to their parents and ungrateful. They will consider nothing as sacred. They will be unloving and unforgiving. They will slander others and have no self-control. They will be cruel and have no interest in what is good. They will betray their friends, be reckless, be puffed up with pride, and love pleasure rather than God. They will act as if they are religious, but they will reject the power that could make them godly. You must stay away from people like that. They are the kind who work their way into people's homes and win the confidence of vulnerable women who are burdened with the guilt of sin and controlled by many desires. Such women are forever following new teachings, but they never understand the truth. And these teachers fight the truth just as James and John Brace fought against Moses. Their minds are depraved, and their faith is counterfeit. But they won't get away with this for long. Someday everyone will recognize what fools they are, just as happened with James and Jambres. But you know what I teach, Timothy, and how I live, and what my purpose in life is. You know my faith and how long I have suffered. You know my love and my patient endurance. You know how much persecution and suffering I have endured. You know all about how I was persecuted in Antioch, Iconium, and Lystra. But the Lord delivered me from all of it. Yes, and everyone who wants to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. But evil people and impostors will flourish. They will go on deceiving others, and they themselves will be deceived. But you must remain faithful to the things you have been taught. You know they're true, for you know you can trust those who taught you. You have been taught the Holy Scriptures from childhood and they have given you the wisdom to receive the salvation that comes by trusting in Christ Jesus. All Scripture is inspired by God and is useful to teach us what is true and to make us realize what is wrong in our lives. It straightens us out and teaches us to do what is right. It is God's way of preparing us in every way, fully equipped for every good thing God wants us to do. As I said a moment ago, we humans have an innate tendency, as ironic as it may seem, to remake God over in our image. How many times have I been told, you know, I like to think of God as... 
I feel like I'm told that every week, sometimes every day. Or, my God would never. Like you got a pet God on a leash? Friends, God is not a reality you and I create. We can all, thousands of us in this room, be wrong about God, and it changes Him not at all. No, He is who He is. And we know what we do about him because he has revealed himself to us. And unlike these gods that Paul wrote about, the true God is speaking to us. And he is speaking to us even this evening through his word by his spirit. And he is not a creation of you or me. He is is not like us. He is no creation at all. He is the creator. He's not the one who began in your wish-fulfilling revelations. He is the eternal God who was before the world. And we learn this in part through Jesus Christ, when we see who Christ is. You know, I think sometimes we can think that we do God a favor by believing in Him. The way we talk about testimonies sometimes and report things, we, we brighten His day by deciding to pay Him a visit. And as one theologian said, we talked as though the highest compliment that could be paid to Almighty God was that a few scientists believed in Him. But friends, so far is God from being dependent upon us in any way that we are dependent on Him for every ounce of our being, every moment of our lives. We owe Him everything. Friends, the prematurely born infant in the hospital is a picture of complete independence compared to our utter and complete need for God every moment of our lives. You are sitting here right now, dependent upon Him for your next breath. Every bit of understanding you have is dependent upon God's decision and commitment to reveal Himself to you through Jesus Christ. He is before all things, And in him all things hold together. Perhaps most amazing of all those, the fifth thing that we see about creation here, and this is the thing that blows people's minds, it's in verse 16. It's this idea that creation is not just by Christ and sustained by Christ, but that creation is for Christ. Everything that's been made has been made literally for him. Christ is the purpose of creation. For Christ, all things were created. Consider that it was made not only by Christ, but for Him. Do you notice those two little words in verse 16? For Him. In the original, literally, some of your translations might even have to Him, which really just strengthens that sense of purpose. What Paul is saying is that quite literally, not only was the universe created by Christ, but that it owes its allegiance to the same Christ, its Creator, that is everything in all the world should be done to His glory. And thus the, the heavens and the earth, the heavens tell His glory according to the psalmist. We do all things, whatever we do, to His glory. You know the familiar line of Shakespeare, all the world's a stage. Well, friends, many Christians have thought that's a great image for grabbing the truth about what God is doing in this world. John Calvin wrote of this world as the theater of God's glory. Jonathan Edwards of the display of the Creator to His creation through the progress of the plan of redemption throughout history, all to God's glory. 
Psalm 94, verses 1 through 23. God alone can judge and punish the wicked, but God's people must stand up and be counted in the battle for truth. It's easier to be a spectator or an advisor than to be a soldier. When you enter the battle against evil, rely on God. See, God knows all about the enemy. He hears their insolent speech. He sees their wicked deeds. And He will eventually bring them to judgment. The captain of your salvation will not be caught off guard. So don't worry about that part. And God will teach you what to do. The basic handbook for battle is the Word of God. And God will teach you what you need to know. Gideon was an ordinary farmer when God called him, and yet he became a mighty warrior because he let God teach him. Even though he was hiding from the enemy, God called him a mighty man of valor. And God will help you fight. God is for you if you're against what He's against. When you fight, He will help you. If you slip, He will hold you. If you worry, He will comfort you. And if you're attacked, He will defend you. Who is on the Lord's side? Are you? Psalm 94, verses 1-23 through 23. O Lord, the God to whom vengeance belongs, O God of vengeance, let your glorious justice be seen. Arise, O judge of the earth. Sentence the proud to the penalties they deserve. How long, O Lord, how long will the wicked be allowed to gloat? Hear their arrogance. How these evildoers boast. They oppress your people, Lord, hurting those you love. They kill widows and foreigners and murder orphans. The Lord isn't looking, they say. And besides, the God of Israel doesn't care. Think again, you fools. When will you finally catch on? Is the one who made your ears deaf? Is the one who formed your eyes blind? He punishes the nations. Won't he also punish you? He knows everything. Doesn't he also know what you are doing? The Lord knows people's thoughts, that they are worthless. Happy are those whom you discipline, Lord, and those whom you teach from your law. You give them relief from troubled times, until a pit is dug for the wicked. The Lord will not reject his people. He will not abandon his own special possession. Judgment will come again for the righteous, and those who are upright will have a reward. Who will protect me from the wicked? Who will stand up for me against evildoers? Unless the Lord had helped me, I would soon have died. I cried out, I'm slipping, and your unfailing love, O Lord, supported me. When doubts filled my mind, your comfort gave me renewed hope and cheer. Can unjust leaders claim that God is on their side? Leaders who permit injustice by their laws? They attack the righteous and condemn the innocent to death. But the Lord is my fortress. My God is a mighty rock where I can hide. God will make the sins of evil people fall back upon them. He will destroy them for their sins. The Lord our God will destroy them. Proverbs 26, verses 6-8 through 8. Trusting a fool to convey a message is as foolish as cutting off one's feet or drinking poison. In the mouth of a fool, a proverb becomes as limp as a paralyzed leg.
Honoring a fool is as foolish as tying a stone to a slingshot.